The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you think that she could repeat the question? And I listen more attentively. There must have been something in our Facebook makes it harder and harder every single week. Every week. Yep. And they don't tell you what the changes are, I no. swear. No. We just have to figure them out ourselves. Like, I can't even do a watch party now unless I, unless I share the video from the Valley Pedri page to my page. Oh. And then I have to save it on my page so I can go to watch party and then do saved videos. Oh, that's... So efficient. <laughs> Before I push one button, now I push five. I don't know how that's progress, but it's just me. It's driving me out of my mind. It's just another way for them to control us, Tom. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I'm still on probation in Facebook jail. I'm not in Facebook jail, but I'm on probation, which means I can post on my page. Can you just pull me up a little? She was like, I can post on my page, but I can't go live, and I can't post in groups. Like group pages, yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. All right. I guess we're going to start the show. Should we start the show? I mean, I guess. That's what people are waiting for, right? Well, I'm already getting analytics, though. I like that. That's a new change. All right. It's driving me out of my mind. Right, let's get the comments up. I like doing on-the-air production. People complain about it, but I like it. Took me a minute to get used to it, but I know you love it. It's like a behind-the-scenes look at what Right, yeah, like how things work, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was a big fan of Howard Stern. Howard Stern used to do that a lot. That's Ah, why I started doing it. Huge fan of Howard Stern. Before he got all woke on us. All right, let's start. Let's get this show on the road, okay. shall we? We've got all our technical stuff out of the way. Hi, my name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, Top Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We've got a great guest for you today. I'm going to do a little rant at the beginning of the show, and then we've got a great guest. We've got Joe Finn. He is running for Selectin in North Andover. And uh, before you start sending me hate mail, I'm going to refuse to say select person. I'm going to refuse to say select board. It is the board of selectmen, and it is select men. And that's what it is. It's not a gender-specific word. And all the little pansies on the board of selectmen who last year voted to change the name so that they could all feel woke and they can all feel good about themselves and they're all being inclusive and all that other garbage that means nothing to anybody's life. Um, I, I reject all of that. I'm gonna, I, it's a board of select. It's like manhole. It's not, spe- not gender-specific. It doesn't mean only men can go down there. It's what it's called. 
So I'm going to call it Selectmen, and please hold your emails because I'm not going to read them if you complain about that particular topic. Um, i got a couple of things I want to talk about before we talk to Joe Finn. Um, I want to thank Miller's Tavern. I've been going to Miller's Tavern now like once a week now that that, that COVID restrictions and everything is starting to be relieved a little bit. Nice. And so we're spending a lot of time at Miller's Tavern, and uh, we got the greatest waitress. We ask for the same waitress now every time we go in. We ask for Courtney. She's amazing. Uh, first time she was our waitress, and I, I don't, you know, I I normally don't like talk about some this kind of stuff, yeah. Um, but I think it's worth it's worth noting because even though they're not a sponsor of the show, and we will talk about our sponsors, um, I, I wanted to give them a free plug. We went in one day about two or three months ago. We ended up getting Courtney as our as our waitress or wait person if you're from North Andover and you're on the board of selectmen. Um, and I wasn't sure what to get, and she, I started asking like, "What do you like?" And we actually had like. You know, a lot of t- I go. I eat out a lot. I eat out like two, three days a week, and I'm so tired of weight people coming over to my table and acting as though they can't get away from me fast enough. You know, like is that yeah. it? Is that is that what you can have? Uh, okay, oh, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. I and I it. hate that. And she stood with us and she talked with us for like two or three minutes, maybe five minutes, about about different things on the menu that she liked, things that I hadn't tried. So I took her suggestion, and I had the pub steak. It was great. And so now every time we go, we ask for Courtney. She's doing she's doing a great job over nice. there, and we want to. We'd also love it if they could sponsor the show or advertise with us, but that's not why I'm doing this. It's because I think that there are a lot of local restaurants that suck right now. Yep. And I, I again, I eat out at least three times a week, sometimes more. And since COVID started, a lot of you guys who are waiters, waitresses, bartenders, people that work in restaurants, you're all mailing it in. And a lot of people, and I feel bad for you. That's why I still go out to eat. And I still spend my money and I always tip well, unless the service is really horrible and I leave nothing. But 99 times out of 100, I leave a big tip. Right. Uh, but I wanted to bring that up because there's a lot of places, and I'm not going to mention names because it's not about shaming people. But there's a lot of places that I used to eat all the time that now I'm finding myself really not going back to. Because I think since COVID hit and people started coming back to work, the, the quality of the food is not as good. Mm-hmm. The quality of the service is not as good. Um, I think people who are in that industry think that those of us who are customers will probably understand yeah. that the service and the food's not as good as it was before COVID. I don't understand. I was just talking about this the other day. It's like a double-edged sword, though. You're like, oh, it's COVID hit us all, and it's really hard. We understand, but you still have to put your customer first, right, or right. otherwise, how are they going to keep coming to support right. you? I mean, COVID has nothing to do with the fact that when I order a steak, I want it well done. Right. And when it comes and there's still red in it, by the way, big tip for you guys, I used to work in the food industry, never send your food back ever, 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 ever send your food back ever. So I will eat it anyway. And then when they ask me later on, how was your food? I'll say, well, it wasn't cooked the way I liked it. And they always say, well, we could have sent it back. And I'm like, no, no, no. I used to work in restaurants. You know, I am, there's no, no way of ever sending food back ever after what I've seen. But I will eat it. And then I will, and I'll still tip the waitress because it's not her fault, but I, I'll let them know. So the next time I go in, if I ask for a steak that's well done, I will make sure that I tell whoever the waitress is, look, last time I came and asked for a well done steak and it wasn't well done. Can you just make sure it's well done? Hey. And if the second or third time I'm still getting steak that's red, I don't, I'm not going back. No. And I've also noticed that a lot of places, there's a place right near here, right across the street that I loved to go to, that the service is just terrible. They come, oh. they bring you your food and they don't come back and ask you if it's okay. And sometimes... They'll bring me the wrong food or they'll forget my drink or something and I'm waiting for them to come back and it's 10, 15, 20 minutes before they come back and say, is everything okay with your food? So I'm, I'm, I, rather than shaming the people that are doing it wrong 
and mentioning the names of those restaurants, I thought it would be a better idea to come in and talk about the restaurants that are getting it right. I think that's a good way so to do it. So when I go into Borelli's Deli, I know that's self-serving because they are a sponsor, but it's true. When I go into Borelli's Deli, my food's always right. And speaking of Borelli's Deli, we were at the TMF family dinner for the homeless last night in Lawrence. And I really want to thank the people at TMF, um, obviously for what they're doing for the homeless, but also because my involvement with TMF and my help of promote, promoting TMF has made them appreciate our sponsors. And so last night, the person who donated the meal, who spent like 150 or $200 on the meal for the homeless last night, went to Borelli's and bought the food at Borelli's. Yeah. And the person who bought the food the week before also went to Borelli's and bought their food from Borelli's. And I thought that was just kind of like a coincidence. So someone came over to me last night and said, hey, Tom, I love your show. And I sponsored last week's uh, TMF Dinner for the Homeless. And we didn't know where to buy the food, but I was watching your podcast and I saw that Borelli's takes care of you. So we went to Borelli's. Awesome. So I, I want to thank TMF for doing that because they don't have to do that. They could buy their food anywhere they want, the people involved with the organization. And they're purposely going to my advertisers, which I love. And as a result of that, there's other people now who are calling saying we'd like to sponsor in April or we want to sponsor the end of March to do a family dinner for the homeless. Um, you know, I saw on Facebook that the people are buying this stuff from either Borelli's or this place or that place that advertises with you. What do you suggest? And I always, again, suggest Borelli's because that's yeah. the best place to go. So I want to thank them. Uh, I also want to uh, let you guys know the Public Health Museum in Tewksbury is now open. It's open on Thursdays, I think 10 to 2. Um, they are sponsoring, they're not sponsoring the show, but they did buy an ad in the Valley Patriot. We wrote a little story about them this month. And we want to encourage you. It's only $5. So for $5 on a Thursday, you can go to the Public Health Museum. And they've got, I guess, a new section now for COVID, right? So they're dealing with infectious diseases. And it's very educational. I'm going to go myself. Maybe the paper comes out, I think, on Tuesday next week. So maybe next Thursday, I'll grab a couple of people. Well, the walking tour outside is uh, $10. The inside museum is $5. And, and, I mean, what can you do for 5 bucks? You yeah. can't even fill your gas tank for 5 yeah. bucks. You can't, I mean, what can you do for five? You can't buy a pack of cigarettes for five bucks. So for $5, you go to the Tewksbury Health Museum. We appreciate them coming on board. We want to promote them as much as they can, as we can. And even though they only bought one ad and, and, and that was for March, to me, it doesn't matter. You're now part of the Valley Patriot family. So yeah. we will give them as much free cred as we possibly can. Also want to remind people, the Valley Patriot, uh, because we care about the businesses that are, that are trying to get back on their feet, as we just mentioned earlier with the restaurants and stuff. We have decided to try and help you guys build back better. I don't want to steal Joe Biden's uh, um, uh, tagline. moniker, tagline, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But um, we're looking at these businesses that are now starting to reopen at either full capacity or close to full capacity. And what they're not doing is spending money on promoting themselves. They're not spending money on advertising because they don't have it. They're spending all of their money restocking product in their stores, trying to get people back to work, trying to pay their back bills during COVID. So we understand that at the Valley Patriot. We get that, that a lot of businesses can't afford to advertise. So here's what we're offering you if you want to advertise in the Valley Patriot, if you want to promote your business now being open with whatever restrictions you have on new hours or whatever, we're going to give you a free upsize ad. So if you want to buy a half-page ad, we'll give you a full page awesome. at no cost. If you want to buy a quarter page ad, we'll give you a half page. If you want to buy an eighth of a page ad, we'll give you a quarter page. We're not going to do it for the $99 ads because we're not going to make any money on that. Those $99 yeah. ads are basically we, we do it at cost um, to try and help you know the, the small guys, the guys that do construction and stuff like that. Right. Um, 
So if, if you're interested, please find me on Facebook. You can email me at valleypatriot at AOL.com. Um, you can also uh, catch me on Podbean, Spreaker, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those other things. But I would suggest you send me an email or find me on Facebook. That's the best way to go. Uh, one more thing. We've got uh, a, somewhat of a scandal popping up in Methuen. Um, it's interesting how things are dying down in, now in Methuen, and I'm, I'm kind of liking that because now I can focus on North Andover and other stuff. Yeah. A lot of people have complained over the last year and a half that we've been too Methuen-centric, too much material about Methuen, not enough about other communities. We do cover 28 communities, but the fact is we've been covering a lot of Methuen, and those complaining have to understand why. Um, it's because that's where all the news was. Yeah. Now, four years ago, all the news was in Lawrence when Willie Lantigua was mayor. And there was all kinds of indictments and federal grand juries going on. And people would say the same thing. They'd email and say, why is there so much Lawrence in your paper? Well, because that's where the news was. Yeah. And then Willie left office and things died down a little bit. And the controversy in Lawrence waned. And the controversy in Methuen picked up. And so we started covering Methuen more. Now Methuen's starting to wane. And guess what? North Andover's picking up. So we have with us uh, uh, Joe Finn. We're going to talk to him in a couple seconds. One thing I did want to talk about in Methuen... And today's Eagle Tribune, again, I'm not sure how this is news. This is actually one of the reasons I started my own paper. Okay. Part of the reason I started my own paper, um, by the way, we're celebrating 17 years this, this month, 17th anniversary for the Valley Patriot. Ooh, congratulations. Uh, and, but one of the reasons we started it was I was sick and tired of picking up the Eagle Tribune and saying either I was at that event, that's not what happened, or this isn't news. Why is this news? Why am I reading about this? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. In Methuen, apparently there was a, a live video on Facebook by uh, Methuen School Committee member Ryan DeZoglio. He's been on this show, and we're going to try and have him on again next week. Apparently, he he pulled a um, he pulled a what's that guy from CNN? The guy caught. All right, never mind. We won't go there. He, he, I'm from Australia. Tom. What, he ba- what basically happened is he thought he went offline, and he wasn't offline. And oh, then a conversation yeah, yeah. ensued while they were still live, but he thought that they were off. And apparently, somebody swore, and somebody else made some comment about white privilege or white supremacy, I guess. Uh-oh. As has been reported by the Tribune, because apparently Bob LeBlanc, everybody remember Bob LeBlanc? Remember Bob LeBlanc? The reason I'm not at CAP anymore? Oh. Bob LeBlanc, the guy who's the former town manager of North Andover, tried to come back and run for office. He ran for, I think he ran for council at large about six years ago. And he got trounced. He came in last. Like for a guy that was formerly the town manager, is a lawyer, he thought he was going to top the ticket. He came in last. Bob apparently sent in some kind of a complaint because Bob plays team politics ah. and Bob doesn't like the Desaglios. So he complained and he sent the complaint to the mayor. I'm not sure how that's, this is like the he has, school committee members don't work for the mayor. So I'm not sure why you sent a complaint to the mayor. Like he's not the HR department for the school committee. School committee members are elected. They're not city employees. But apparently a, a, a complaint went to Methuen Mayor Neil Perry who then commented on it, which was very bizarre to me. Because this is a guy that basically isn't commenting about anything controversial anymore. And Neil commented and said, well, we're going to look at it, whatever. It was a very kind of like a vague comment that he made. And I just, I want to make one comment about this. Um, A, it's not news, okay? B, even if it's true and even if Ryan did it, so what? Like, no law was broken, um, he didn't insult anybody, anybody by name. Uh, he didn't, from what I understand, didn't reveal any confidential information that should have been in an executive session. He wasn't talking about people's social security numbers. So I'm not sure why this is a story other than the Eagle Tribune sees what I see. 
And that's the controversy with them when it's starting to wane. So they're trying to gin it up to try and right. sell newspapers. Yeah. Um, somebody came to me with this story a couple of days ago. And I said, okay, but what's the story? Like someone called me, and I didn't realize that this was all being generated by Bob LeBlanc, but apparently it is. And they were like, yeah, but you know, he shouldn't have done that. I'm like, well, maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe it was a mistake. But again, how is this news? Like, How is it newsworthy? Right. Yeah. How is it newsworthy? Yeah. Like, it, had he said something like, hey, next week we're going to have a secret meeting. We're going to fire the superintendent. Right. That, 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 that's yeah. news, right? So really, the best news thing about this is it happened. Right. But what, what, how does that make it worthy right. of news? Right. And he's denying it. He's saying it didn't happen. So there you go. And he's saying, you know, and if they can show me a tape of something of me saying something wrong, I'll admit to whatever that was. But what they're saying isn't true. And so, again, I don't know how this is news, but that's the difference between the Eagle Tribune yeah. and the Valley Patriot. I take a I take a walk on more stories than I print. That's true. Yeah. For every story you see in the Valley Patriot, there are five to eight stories that people gave to me that did not make the Valley Patriot. And part of the reason for that is stuff like this. Stuff that people think is news, but it's not news. Or they want it to be news because they don't like the guy that's involved. Right. And they want to and they want to pick pile on the guy. So um, I appreciate that people call me and give me heads up on this stuff so I know that it's coming. But a lot of times it's just not news. Like as a heads up, I'm I'm glad people call. Yeah. But as far as like don't get mad at me for not printing the story if I don't think it's news, because my standard is a little different than the Eagle Tribune. It's a little different than the Boston Globe. Yeah. When Methuen City Councilors were calling the Globe and telling the Globe things such as Chief Solomon hired Sean Fountain, uh, who was a city councilor at the time, who voted for his contract and hired him on the police department, a city councilor, hmm. right? So they told that to the Globe. The Globe didn't put quotes around it, but that came from that information came from someone. They printed it without quotes as if it was true. And of yeah. course, anybody who knows anything about po- local politics. The chief doesn't hire anybody. The mayor hires people. Right. So the chief couldn't have made a deal to hire somebody because he doesn't hire. He doesn't do the hiring. For all of Joe Solomon's faults, whatever they might have been, that was just factually incorrect. And yet the Globe didn't bother to actually pick up the phone and call somebody and do a fact check on it. They just ran it because the city councilor said so. Because they're lazy and they don't do their jobs. I do my job. When someone calls me and they tell me something like that, I say, well, wait a minute. Joe Solomon doesn't do the hiring. So how could he have hired someone as part of a deal for them to vote for his contract or a budget or whatever? Right. And then they get accused of, oh, well, Joe's your friend. You're just defending it. Well, no, actually, I'm just looking for facts. If you gave me facts and they were true, you could show me that he was involved in the hiring, that he convinced the mayor who didn't want to hire the guy, and he sent him an email and said, no, you have to hire this guy because I made a deal with him. Then fine, I'll write that story. Right. But... Ryan Desaglio being on a live and swearing, if he even did that, is not news. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of people out there that, in the political world, and you're going to see this if you win, there's a lot of people in the, in the political world that are very snobby. They think that like, there's a certain decorum that you have to keep. There's a certain image you have to keep. And of course, all of that is just deceptive and bullshit. It just is. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there. I saw it in today's trib. I normally don't even read the trib, but... Um, I was, I was looking online for something else, and I saw that, and I said, oh, geez. How and as I'm reading it, I'm going, like, again, how is this new? I haven't seen the physical paper. It would not surprise me if it was on the front page. <laughs> because not only is this not news, it's certainly not front page worthy. But to the Tribune, it might be, because be. They're, desperate, they're desperate to sell newspapers. Yeah. Um, one other, just one comment, and then we're going to get to our guest. 
Um, Congress passed a, a, a bill yesterday that they said will get big money out of politics. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the Feingold Mean Bill back in the late 90s. That was supposed to get big money out of politics, and here we are. Hmm. And then a couple of years later, there was the Feingold McCain something bill, and that was supposed to get big money out of politics, and yet here we are. And in the last two elections, more money was spent on presidential campaigns and congressional campaigns than all of the years combined, right? So I don't know why people continue to believe when politicians say, we just passed a bill that does X, Y, Z, when it never does X, Y, Z ever, like ever. So just I want to caution you if you're watching Fox, if you're watching CNN, whichever, whichever you're watching based on whatever your political beliefs are, I, I would suggest people watch both. But if you're hearing this, this thing about how the, the Congress and Biden are going to get big money out of politics, you just know it's full of crap. You just know that it is. It's, right. it's going it's, to – I haven't read the bill, but when I do read the bill, I'm going to come in and I'm going to talk to you about how, how wrong it is. But anyways, to my left, to your right, I guess – uh, we have uh, a guest in the studio, and I appreciate him coming in. His name is Joe Finn. He's running for Board of Selectmen. And um, I, I wasn't thinking of having him or any of the Board of Selectmen candidates on the show, but I got an email from him saying that at the next town meeting, he's got a proposal to put a moratorium on all these big, huge condo monstrosities, housing project monstrosities that are going in all over North Andover. Now, I live in North Andover, and... When I'm driving down 125 and I see that big, humongous monstro, I mean, I can't, I can't over-exaggerate enough how huge this friggin' thing is. It's huge. And what it's going to do is it's going to bring an influx of people into town, which is going to strain our sewer system, our school system, our police department. And it seems as though the Board of Selectmen has been pretty okay for the last five years, and people at town meeting have been pretty okay for the last five years cramming more housing into Methuen as if we need more housing in Methuen. So I thought I would bring on Joe Finn. I don't know if, if, if my synopsis of all of that is something that you agree with, but uh, I'll let you speak for yourself. Appreciate you coming in. Hi, Joe. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me, Tom, and well, congratulations on the 17 years. Thank you very much. I didn't think we'd make 17 weeks, quite frankly, <laughs> when we started this in 2004, but here we are. Well, uh, remember, this is my first podcast. Yes. With you. My Hopefully first. the first of many. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> From there, so be easy. We'll so, be gentle. So what do you want to talk about okay. first? Do you want to talk about your candidacy for selectmen, or do you want to talk about the upcoming town meeting with your proposal? Because they're both pretty big topics. Yeah, I think the candidacy, just okay. a little bit. Sure. Only because of why I got involved, too. Because I've been in North Andover now since 2020. Okay. Um, and I've been involved in the community a lot. Um, I spent 15 years doing coaching for basketball and baseball. So it's like eight months out of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, but now I'm done. Uh, my youngest son is a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. Three sons all graduated from the public schools at North Andover. It gets very lonely after high school. It does. Doesn't it's like, it? what do I do now? Yeah, me too. And so uh, I'm jumping into the select board mm -hmm. uh, area uh, because I've got concerns mm -hmm. uh, about what's happening in town. Now, I'll tell you this. My wife grew up in town. Okay. Uh, so we know a lot of people, talk to a lot of people. But just to give you a little tidbit, her father was a selectman. In North Andover. No kidding. And yeah. What was his name? Oaks. Oaks. Right. Years and years ago. Okay. He actually has a street named after him. Nice. Oak uh, Street. 
Oaks Drive. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 because every town's got an Oak Street, right? right. <laughs> yeah, it's off of Johnson Street. He actually had uh, the old police station dedicated to him. Oh, nice. And he had probably a couple of years ago the podium at the select board meeting mm-hmm. uh, dedicated to him. So it's nice. So now it's like it's come full circle. Mm-hmm. It's like now it's uh, I'm I'm getting involved and. Uh, I'm looking uh, forward to it. Uh, so now you're running. There's, there's, there's two openings. Phil of the future, our good friend here on the show, Phil DeColligio, is not running for re-election. And I have to tell you, even though he's kind of liberal and I'm really conservative, I loved Phil. If Phil had run, I would support Phil. I, I support Phil every time he runs because he – could you pull me up a little, hun? Because he, he, um, he's very proactive. When something's coming up on the board – now, I've been living in North Andover now for – since 2001, all right? And in the last five years, I get no phone calls or emails from anybody on the board of selectmen of the school committee saying, hey, Tom, we got a big meeting coming up, and there's a big item on the agenda I thought you might want to know about if you want to write a story. I don't get that from anybody. Like, there's no outreach at all, except Phil. Phil would send me an email or even just a text and say, you might want to watch Thursday's meeting. There's a big housing thing coming up, or there's a big thing about a new police station, or whatever it is that they're going to talk about. Um, and so I loved Phil because he was always pr- he's always proactive. He helped us try and start the farmer's market. Um, on his own, right? He, you know, not as the board of selectmen. He just kind of went out and did it with a bunch of people. So I always loved his proactivity. And even though we don't agree on a lot of issues, I always supported Phil. But Phil's not running, and I'm heartbroken. So now I've got another vote. I've got a vote to give away, and it's going to be between you, uh, Dick Valencourt, who's running for re-election, and a woman named. Do you remember her name? It's Phyllis. No, it's Janice Phillips. Janice Phillips. I'm yes. Sorry. Yep. Um, and and you. So as a candidate. You've got one guy that's running for re-election, probably going to get you know, most elect, most incumbents win re-election. Yep, yep. So it's really, even though there's two open seats, it's really one open seat in practicality. Right. How do you plan on convincing people to pull the lever for you instead of, give me your name again and I won't forget it. Janice Phillips. Janice Phillips. I think what I'm really concerned with is the rapid growth of the town. Um, and then all the things that impact that. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the traffic the schools, water. I'm, I'm trying to, and that's part of the moratorium, to try to find out what the impacts of all this construction is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you look at it, even right now, I've got to develop, I live on Surrey Drive, okay. and we have a development going in. It's the old Knights of Columbus. So we have that going in. We have the senior center going in. Um, uh, there's another one off a of high street, really, by Sutton Pond. Okay. That's going in. I see Amazon is going in. That's mm-hmm. a $3.6 million, uh, million square foot facility mm-hmm. going in. Uh, we just had one at Forgetta Farms that went in. I think that was 192 units. That's just being completed. Wow. There, and the retail in front of that hasn't even been completed. And then, of course, we've got the Royal Crest redevelopment coming in. And so I'm looking at this, and then I'm looking at... What, what do the people of North Andover want? So what I did is I went to their master plan to find out what it is. And it's like 180 pages long just to find out. And some of the things on my cheat sheet uh, for the concerns was limited school capacity, traffic congestion, increasing with more housing defense, uh, d- density, uh, and a deep concern over traffic and safety along the neighborhood streets. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so what I did is I said, okay, so what are we doing? And then I see almost like an acceleration mm-hmm. of the building, which is causing, it appears, some of these problems. So what I want to do is just take a pause. I've talked to people. Can we just take a pause, right. see what happens after we do all of the construction, all of the, all of the traffic? Because it is going to the neighborhood streets, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, and then reevaluate where we're at and then move forward. Uh, so I, that's the big thing for me right now. Mm-hmm. 
So you've got a proposal for town meeting? I do. Talk about how, how this is going to work. Is this just a straight moratorium for how long? How does it work? It's going to be two years, hopefully. Okay. Uh, a two-year moratorium and uh, on high-density building. And with that, we're going to study, hopefully, the impacts of, what's, of, of, the, uh, of the building in North Ando. So we'll, we'll look at the water. We'll look at the sewer. We'll look at the schools. Uh, we'll look at the traffic. Uh, and so hopefully, after that's done, we'll have a better understanding of how the building has affected North Andover. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against building. It's just the rapid growth right. and then how it's affecting North Andover. Right. So what I have started to do is I've started to meet with some of the heads of the departments. So I met with the VA uh, officer, Joe LeBlanc. I met with the Elder Services Director, Irene O'Brien, who happens to be uh, retiring. And I congratulated her on that. Congratulations. Uh, and uh, I met with the police chief to find out how, these, how he's being stretched with his resources. I met with the town manager. So I'm trying to get a feel for what are the concerns, what are the needs, uh, and even what are the job responsibilities and duties throughout town. Right. And, and it's interesting when you, when you talk to them what it is. Even I don't know how many police officers have been hired. It's been years mm-hmm. uh, since they've been hired. And yet, take a look at everything that's going on and then what's planned. Mm-hmm. And I think we've you know, we got to take a look at that. Sure. Uh, and that's, that's, that's a concern of mine. How did you find the... I haven't met the new town manager yet. I've been negligent since she's come on board. Normally, when a new town manager comes into North Andover, I go in and I scare them a little bit at the beginning. And kind of let them know, like, I'm here to, wa- I'm here to watch you. Um, and I did that with Mailer. By the way, we've got a story coming out on Andrew Mailer we've been working on. Um, uh, but I did that with Mailer when he first came in. And, you know, he, he seemed okay. Um, when, when, the new, when the new town manager came in, uh, I, I had meant to make an appointment to sit down with her. And it just never happened. I had a lot of stuff going on. How did you find her? Oh, very good. Really? Yeah. Very professional, respectful, personable. Um, and I've, I've tuned into a lot of meetings, either the planning board meetings, the zoning commission, uh, uh, the uh, select, bo- select board meetings. <laughs> I got ca- to catch myself. I got to catch myself. Listen, just because <laughs> I refuse to use it, you can use whatever you want. I'm right. not going to shame you on it. Uh, and uh, I've, I've, uh, I've seen her at all of those meetings, mm-hmm. uh, and she is very good, good, very competent. Yeah, yeah. And I've talked to people, and they they love her. Really, they love. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny yeah. because I I I asked Phil what he thought of um, the new the new town manager, and he loves her. He thinks she's yeah. great. Yeah. But he loved Andrew Mailer too. So oh. I. Uh, normally, I take Phil's advice on a lot of stuff, but then when I look back, then I look back at Andrew, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but I am going to sit down with her at some point. So, what was when you when you met with the the town manager? What was your what was your takeaway as far as where what her vision is for North Andover moving forward? Well, I th- I'll tell you when I talked to her, I, I asked her mainly some of her responsibilities in terms of her uh, supervisory responsibilities with with departments and some of the divisions. I wanted to get a sense as to how that whole reporting uh, structure goes. So it was more about her job. Okay. Um, going forward. Uh, so uh, I should have probably got more into her, her vision mm-hmm. for North Andover, but I really didn't. Um, and she mentioned a lot of things when we talked about pressing needs. Obviously, COVID was at the top of the list, um, helping the residents there. And and, uh, and and I know now there's a 
there's a, a big push to get the, the 75 and older residents. Um, and I know there's a hotline that's out there that they can, uh, they can call, and I hope they do. So hopefully if they're listening now, uh, there is help out there. If I could just give the hotline number sure, to your mind. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's it's 978-208-6070. And, uh, and Melissa Rodriguez, the town manager, is also offering uh, help from her office. So if you want to call her in her office, she's going to help out too. Hopefully get appointments at the Lawrence or the Danvers site uh, to get them vaccinated. I know that's a big push, but that was some of our discussion there. Some of it with the budget, some of the budget neutral things that are going on because of COVID and, and how it's hit. But it's very interesting how she has been able to move things around. I know we've got some money from the Amazon permits, uh, some of the reserve cash that she's, that she's using, but she's got a very good approach, I think, to solving the budget issues in North Andover. So there was a lot of talk about mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, to move forward uh, with that. When you go door to door, are you going door to door? I am going door to door. Good for you. Good for you. Um, when you go door to door, what is the one or two things that you're hearing at the doors that are people's concerns? What are their issues? Their issues, I think, one is it's always traffic congestion. It, the Royal Crest development comes up almost every single time I go really? there. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a big, and I didn't even know about it until I really got into the race mm-hmm. and started taking a look at that development. But it's, it's, it's on a lot of people's minds. The traffic congestion is an issue. Um, the schools are an issue. But you know what it is, too? It's the economic development that I hear from me. I got an email even today talking about, is there a possibility to incentivize businesses to come here in order to help out with the downtown businesses? Because we have a lot of vacant businesses still out there. Can we fill those? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, down Route 114, 125, those, those travel corridors, is there any way we can invite more business here and probably less reliance on maybe the large-scale uh, developments. Right. And, and, and I think they're, they're all good points. Those are things that I would like to look at. That, when I, if lucky to get elected, that's one thing I really want to focus on is trying to bring business into North Andover if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is less reliance. Because right now, as I see it, when I, there are a lot of issues that, and they're starting to get complicated complicated because of the building, in my opinion, because even with the schools, it's interesting listening to uh, Dr. Gilligan, who happens to live on my street, um, uh, talking about uh, the funding, and I understand his frustrations, but with the overcapacity. But it seems almost counterproductive when I take a look at what we've done over the years, and, and it's like, well, does that really solve the problem? I don't know. And then it's the aging of the schools. It was interesting to talk about the age of some of the schools because I'm thinking to myself, and as I get older, time flies by because right. it's like, you're kidding. It's 20 years old? Right. Oh, my God. I'm well, getting, I remember I'm, when they built that. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm getting old, right? So listening to that because then you get, obviously, we're getting into the repair work. The middle school, obviously, over capacity. Mm-hmm. They need a tremendous amount of work there. Our elementary schools, four out of the five, at capacity. The high school has a little bit. Uh, of capacity left, about 100 students supposedly uh, there. But listening to that, it's like, yeah, we've got issues, but how are we going to solve those issues? And I don't know if large-scale developments in North Andover here is the answer to some of these concerns that are being voiced by the residents. What I want to do is hopefully represent those voices Mm -hmm. that I hear out there. I mean, there's some of my concerns too, but we have to listen to them. There's an interesting fact that I wrote down. It was based on the 2015 housing data. This was in the report for the master plan, which came out in 2018. All right. North Andover has a healthy inventory of multifamily units. 
they had in there. That was, that was housing data in 2015. And then what happened, and I'm sorry to refer to this. No, no, please do. Th- then what happened is that we have the report, the same report that comes out and says some of the envisioned or soon-to-be-completed developments, and they list them all, and it comes out to 968 units. Now, this is after the town has... It, it, has, has said, has said we're, we're concerned about this. Right. We're concerned about this. And based upon this housing data report, you've already got a healthy inventory. And I say healthy inventory. Now, I know they compare us to Essex County. They compare us to the state of Massachusetts. Because overall, it's like 35% when you add in the apartments and the condominiums. That's what they're saying for multifamilies in this report. And then when you look at Essex County and you look at the state, yeah, it looks like, yeah, it's about, about the same. But I went to, to Andover, and I know there's probably some issues just talking to, you know, just think Andover's bigger, but I looked to them, and we're like 11% more. Right. So I'm trying to compare it to like, they want to go to Essex County, and I don't know if that's a reflection well, no, because, of, of that. Well, no, because you've got Haverhill and Lawrence in, in, in Essex County, and that's going to skew the numbers, right? Methuen. Yeah. That's going to skew the numbers. And by the way, those who are watching, the, one of the reasons I wanted to have Joe on uh, to talk about these things is because even though you may not live in, no- in North Andover, you might live in a town like North Andover. You might live in right. Andover. You might live in Chelmsford, Drake it. Um, they're all having the same types of problems. So I thought the issues that we're bringing up are going to be relatable to those people. Oh, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And, and so, and right now, so if you, now that 968 units doesn't include the Avalon project, which is 170 uh, units. It doesn't include, let's take a look at the Royal Crest. That is an additional 803 because they have 588 now. They're going to 1391. So it would be 1,969 units after we've voiced these concerns, after the report came out saying we have a healthy inventory of multifamily houses. See, that's my concern mm-hmm. there. And I think when I looked at the report, when, when the people in North Andover said, hey, we valued open space, natural resources, the great school systems, which we all do. We want a great school system. Affordability of housing, but not overextending to large-scale housing that causes the overcrowding in the congestion. So those are the things that they said, that's what we believe in. That's what we want. And then we see this. And that's why I was asking for a pause in this, for, for, to take a look at what the impacts were. Now, I live off of Sutton Street, to give you an example. In the report, it says it's a heavy traffic, uh, heavy tra- traffic coming down Sutton Street. Come off of 495, head down Sutton Street, right, right? Sure. heading down to uh, 125. It's heavy. And they said it's going to get worse. This is in the report. It's going to get worse as you have more, more development, but also development in Lawrence, they were talking about. It's mm-hmm. probably talking about the Riverwalk, where they built right. all of that up. So now we see that, that, we, that says that now we've got the 136 units coming in, mm-hmm. right, uh, Knights of Columbus. We've got the senior center, which is great. We need it there. We desperately need the senior center. And I'm worried about the seniors and the housing with the seniors. We've got about 8,000 seniors now talking to Irene, and I'm worried about it. Uh, but then we had Fogetta Farms coming in, right? Well, I forget how, 196 or something. Now we've got Amazon coming in. So, so now are we creating even more traffic? Forget 114. Are. are we creating more traffic coming down, which we've already been told it's heavy right. and it's going to get worse. So, so again, I'd like to just take a look at it. Work with the people on the board. They're great people on the board. I, I've listened to these meetings with the planning board, the zoning, all of these boards. These people care. They really do. They love North Andover just like I do. And they want to see what's best for them. But I'm hoping to be there to give maybe a different perspective mm-hmm. on things, a different voice right. on things. I can tell uh, you, I, 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 my office is on Main Street. Okay. And I have to plan my errands and the things that I do for work during the day 
around the traffic that starts around three o'clock. And I'm I'm at the end of Main Street. I'm near um, J&M Subs. Okay. Right? So I'm one building up from J&M Subs. So I look out my window on any given day, including today, at any time after three o'clock, and there's just total gridlock at the corner of Main and Sutton. And the the traffic goes all the way up Main Street, like all the way up to the post office. Now, if I pull out of my office, there's nowhere for me to go. I got to sit there for like 20 minutes before I can get out because of all the traffic. And that's before all of these things finish being built and people start moving in and Amazon comes in. How do we fix that? How do we fix that? I mean, we can't stop the development that's coming in. We know what's coming in already. How do we stop the? How do we alleviate some of that traffic? Like, there's not a lot of. You can't widen the street, right? There's no way to. So, how do you do that? Well, it's interesting because the Mass Department of Transportation has a contract that we're going to we're going to we're going to see. Hopefully, in, uh, talking to uh, the uh, the police department. I think it's 2024. And it's a three to four year project that's going to work on. Uh, uh, in front of, believe it or not, Merrimack College. It's 114. It's from Waverly Road all the way up to Willow Street. Okay. And what they're going to do is, at times, there are, there are two lanes there, and it goes into one. I think it's going to be two lanes all the way is what they're right. going to do to try to alleviate the traffic. Right. There have been clusters. They call them, I think, crash clusters, like at 133, crossing 114, is it? Yeah. I think it is, uh, where we've had issues there. So I think some of this has to do with some of the crash clusters that they that they saw, uh, and obviously some of the traffic. So maybe that will relieve it. Obviously, I would love to see additional lanes. It looks as if they will be expanding that to a two-lane. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that will help. I think the real issue, too, Tom, is this. It's going into the local neighborhoods. If you look at this report, when you look at traffic congestion, they said, now they, they did counts, Massachusetts Department of, uh, of Transportation did counts in 2000 and 2006. 16. All right. When they did the 2016, they said that we it was flat. All right. Going down 114 uh, in some segments. They specifically cite in front of Merrimack College. And they said that there was a slight decline. Now, I'm taking those, those that information. I don't know when they were done, what, what, what month they were done, or if it's the same in 2000 as 2016. But the question for me is, where to go? We know North Andover has been a fast-growing community in Massachusetts. We know that. Mm-hmm. So where did the traffic go? I think it went to the back. It went to the back roads because I know I don't use 114. No, I take right? the back roads all the take, time. All the time, right? So what happens when we have, let's say, Amazon comes in, and I'm saying there's a lot of traffic, but people are going to be coming from from uh, Salem, PBD. They're coming down. Where are they going to go? Right. Where are they going to go with these new developments? They're going to go down Johnson Street. They're going to go down Chestnut right, Street, right, right? Right. So I would like counts on those streets to see what happens. Because you start going down those neighborhood streets, there are no sidewalks. Right. Right? They're narrow. They're winding roads. But people are And there are kids down. playing ball in the summertime. Yep. And yep. Exactly. So that's, is that where the traffic is going? It's going somewhere, but mm-hmm. that's where it's going. Because let's be serious. You don't need to live in North Andover anymore like we used to, you know, 20 years ago. We take the back roads. We were set, right? right. It's like, ah, we're going to go the back roads, no problem. You know, ways, right? Now, everybody's going to be using that. Who's kidding? No one's going to go down 14. So what happens when you have these construction projects, Tom, all at once? Royal Crest, Massachusetts Department of Transportation, the projects I just talked about, the, the 3.8 million square foot uh, facility down at Amazon, it's going to be gridlock maybe, right? What, imagine all of them at once going in, the, the one on High Street behind Sutton Pond. That's why, again, I'm thinking 
can we have a pause? Right. Can we just have a pause and right. take a look at it? I, I just, I think they're ugly, especially the one on 125 across from, I, I, um, I eat at a place called, is it Lots of Eats? Good, good Eats? Lots of Eats? It's a Thai place. Right at that corner where the flower shop used to be. Yeah, you're talking for Jetta Farms. You're talking oh. about that the, the Princeton Properties. Right. It's Princeton Properties right. um, there. Uh, and they haven't even finished, really. I know, but it's so ugly. I go to eat. I eat my Thai food, and I'm looking out the window with this monstrosity. I'm going, first of all, I hope and pray that in my lifetime, I don't ever have to live in a facility like that. Like, I don't ever have to live. First of all, because I don't like people, right? I don't want to be around a lot of people. And this is, you're cramming people into this small amount of space. Have we learned nothing from communities like Lawrence? Like, Lawrence crams 90,000 people, if you include illegals, it's probably closer to 100,000 people, into a seven-square-mile area where two miles of that is river, and another two miles of that is uninhabitable land like parks and cemeteries and stuff. So you're really talking, you're really talking three and a half miles of inhabitable land with 100,000 people crammed into it. We see how that works. Crime spikes, spikes in the schools, problems with the sewage. It's crazy. Lawrence has become a crazy place. And it almost seems like the people who are running North Andover want us to become more like Lawrence. And I'm not sure why they would want that. I left Lawrence. I lived in Lawrence my whole life until I moved to North Andover. I moved to get away from that. I moved to get away from constant traffic, constant police sirens outside my window. Um, Everywhere you look, there's people... Um, living in an apartment building, you know, there was, uh, there was an apartment building on Woodland Street. I think there's like 26 units. I couldn't get out and do my laundry without bumping into eight people. I don't like people. I don't want to see people. When I'm home, I want to be alone, right? And so, <laughs> and so I'm looking at all these these developments. First, they're ugly, and second, I don't I don't understand why the town fathers don't consider the social impacts of cramming tons of people into one small space. That I don't get. It's not really a question. It's just kind of a statement, I guess. That's why I'm not responding. Okay, all right. Very good. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. How are we but doing on time? But I think, I th- listen, I think when it comes down to it, too, when you talk about those issues, people move to North Andover for, for, for a reason, right. right? I mean, they want to raise a family there. They either work there, but they want to raise a family there. Um, they like the characteristics of the town. Mm-hmm. They really do. They like the open spaces. They like the natural resources there. And that's what they want to keep. So it's like, can we do all that? Because these are complex issues, I think, when you talk about it. And then at what point do we stress some of our municipal services, our fire, our, our police, and things like that? Some right. of them are stressed right now. Right. I mean, if I look at the, the capital improvement plan, we've got a lot of things that we can do. And I started what I started to do is put down a, a little bit of a plan um, and, and, and we have an imp- implementation committee for the master plan. They're doing great things. There's seven elements in that. And so what they did is they took each of the elements, took a couple of the strategies that were recommended in the master plan, and they're working on them. And guess what? They, revitalizing downtown. There's a lot of things that you can do that you can do even with this two-year pause. So The only thing what- we need downtown is more parking. Like really the only thing uh, – I'm downtown. I live downtown. My office is downtown. Okay. Um, the two things that concern me the most besides the overdevelopment is um, the traffic. Well, the traffic and the parking, right? Yep. And also, my office rent goes up every year, and I'm being priced out of the town. And as I get older, I'm, I feel like I'm getting – now, I, I understand people who are becoming seniors, people who aren't quite seniors yet, and they're becoming – because I'm getting there, right? Yeah, so am I. I just turned 54, and I, mean, <laughs> okay. I got to – 
friggin' AARP card in the mail on my birthday. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, but I look around and like my landlord goes up on my office rent every 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 year, and I'm square downtown. Like I'm right across from that new development that went in where the Bradstreet School used to be. Yep. I'm directly across the street. Yep. And I I every time my landlord goes up on the rent, I think. Am I going to be able to stay here forever? Like, because I want to. I want to stay. I want to stay downtown North Andover the rest of my life. I love it so much. And and a, a free plug for North Andover and for the downtown area. If you live downtown, you could literally never leave those four blocks in your life, right? So I, I there's a, across the street. There's a liquor store. There's a laundry mat. You got Richdale down down at the corner. Yeah. Up the other side, you've got. Amici's Pizza, you got J&M Subs, you got CVS. You Don't forget post- Heavenly Donuts. Heavenly Donuts, the post office. <laughs> post office. You want to get your hair cut, you go across the street to Mal, right? Um, you lit- there's three banks in that four, four square area. You could do all of your errands. You can, do- you can live your entire life and never leave those four blocks. And that's actually my goal in life is to never leave those four blocks if I could help it. If I could do this show remotely, I would do it. Okay. Right? Yeah. But I'm getting priced out. And it's very concerning that I now have to think that maybe two or three years down the road, I might have to find another another spot for my office because every year my, my rent is going up. And I think that my rent is going up every year because they're spending so much money on all these developments. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. But let me ask you this. What would you do? What's your solution to that? To my rent's going up? Yeah. I think if it what? was, I think if, I think if, you're being priced out, but there's other, you know, you talk about the seniors, seniors are being priced out too, right? Right. right. Well, so, that's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. Right? So it's like, so, so what, it, what would you like so to may, see? So maybe lower property taxes for my landlord so he doesn't go up on my rent so much next year. So instead of going up $100 a month next year, maybe he goes up 50. That's something maybe I can project now out for five years or 10 years, but he keeps going up 100 a month every, uh, every year. And I, and I'm seeing it and I'm feeling it. And because of COVID, of course, we've made less money last year. Yeah. Two years earlier, it was Columbia Gas. We all got hit from Columbia Gas. So all of, our, all of these businesses that are downtown have to have the same concern that I'm having. They're all paying rent, right? And they all want to be downtown because downtown's the place to be, even though a lot of people in North Andover think downtown's dead. It, it's not. I mean, go downtown any afternoon. Oh, it's, yeah. It's I'm super bustling. away. And I love it. I, abs- I absolutely love that I could spend my entire life there and not ever leave those four blocks, get everything that I need done. I don't want to leave a lot of the other people. There's a new CBD store downstairs. There's an eyeglass place downstairs. Free plug, free plug for eyes on Main. Um, you know, they, their rent's going up every, every year too. And everybody has the same concern. Like, how long are we going to be able to hold on here? How long are we going to be able to be here? Because it's so great. I never thought I'd be in a, in a position like this where I loved where I lived so much I didn't want to leave. But here I hey, am. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. And I've got some of those concerns getting older, mm-hmm. especially with the housing options. But I think, too, there's, there's been a question I know that I, that, I ask in, that I ask people. I don't know if I get an answer, and that is, how many people do you envision in North Andover – uh, over the next 10, 20 years, do you want, because we have so much open space. This is what I worry. It's, we're at 30,000. I mean, is it 35? Is it 40? Is it 50? And that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. That's why I think what I want to work on, and I don't know if it solves the problem as much, is economic development, bringing more businesses in. I'm, I'm, I'm just, we rely so much on the housing. I just want to bring more businesses mm-hmm. in, hopefully bring in uh, more of that tax base as opposed to just building these large-scale developments. And, and hopefully that, but at some point, I think we, I don't envision it being 40,000. I really don't. Um, I hope not. No, I don't. I and, chose and, and, North Andover because there were fewer people. Yep. There was more open space. And, and 
the character of the town. I love the character of the town. And even though I'm a right-wing conservative, when I moved into North Andover, North Andover was a conservative right-wing Republican town. It has now shifted because of all the developments. You get you, you brought in a lot more low-income people. It has now shifted. It's now really kind of a left-wing town. Now where I think Hillary won North Andover, and I think um, Joe Biden won North. I, I think Joe Biden won North Andover. So we're heading, and we used to have very conservative members on the board of selectmen. I think we got one left. I think we got Rosemary Smedewi, the only conservative left on the on the board of selectmen. We're heading in that left-wing direction, and it concerns me. Um, it it concerns me a little bit. Because I know it's going to take time for North Andover to become what Andover is as far as left wing, right wing. So it is happening slowly, but it is happening and it's concerning. It's concerning to me. I want to stay here. Yeah, the thing is, too, I don't think of it really in those terms as much. Um, I think of it in terms of because I'm welcoming to, to anybody who wants to come to North Andover. I am. Um, what I worry about is just the pressure it's putting on our community. Mm -hmm. It's our water. It's our sewage. And then I think we really need to take a look at that. Our our traffic, things like that. I think those are the issues that really, I think, are concerning for me in this whole process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not necessarily who's coming here. It's just the number. Yeah, I don't care who comes. Right. I don't, it's right. I just don't, because I think we should be a welcoming community. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it, it does make us stronger. But I think at some point we got to take a look at these things, have a pause, and just not go again. Just it seems like it's it's accelerating, based upon the concerns that we have to listen to the people in North Andover. Right. At some point, right. I mean, if this is their concerns and this is what they value, just like a lot of these things on here, I value. That's why I came to North Andover. That's why my, my wife grew up here. Has her whole you know whole family grew up here. Um, we want to keep it that way. If we if we can, and I think we can, yep. and, I, and I think you need people on there though that that face these type of issues. And I just quickly tell you this because I want the background. I think in terms of my background, I think it helps. I think when now I spent like ten years in, in postal uh, in postal operations, but I spent it at higher levels. I was in an executive program there, um, and. You spent it as as a tour superintendent, as a postmaster, uh, as a manager, as an area manager. So it was an area type thing. There was only one per area in the postal service. But I think when you're in those type of leadership positions, it helps. You come up, you come up, you deal with a lot of different issues on that. And I'll give you a quick story. I don't know how much time I got. got, I'll tell you a quick story. So I I, I want to get in this program. The minimum amount is a master's degree, so I got to go back to school. I go back to school, get my master's degree. And so I apply for this program. Most of the people who get into this program are from outside the Postal Service. I happen to be inside the Postal Service. Um, And they end up going to D.C. They end up becoming area managers, area VPs, things like that. Uh, So I go for the interview. I get a call. They say to me, Joe, congratulations. You were selected for the program. Uh, I'm in Mansfield. I'm going up in Mansfield, right? I said, fantastic, great. Yep, Joe, the job's in Brooklyn. I said, Brookline. I said, it's a 40-minute ride down the street. It's perfect. No, 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 Joe. Brooklyn, New York. <sighs> I said, oh, my God. So I, <laughs> I packed my stuff. I'm going, and that's an interesting, and that's an interesting place. Uh, when it I went sure down. is. It, it was an interesting place. We actually closed the division down because they had such union and management issues. At one point, they lit the post at the district manager's door on fire. Wow. So yeah, we had called the inspection service and they they sealed off the whole thing. They lit a van on fire. They the, the sprinkle systems went off, tried to ruin all the automated equipment. So they shut down that division, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I said, Joe, you want to go back to Boston? 
Yeah, absolutely, I said, absolutely yeah. yes. Get, get on the me, next flight. Get, get me out of here. Right. right? Packed up that U-Haul truck and I was gone. Uh, but that, and then I got into law enforcement, right? Then I spent 20 years in law enforcement uh, at high levels. Now, that I didn't know. Talk, and I'll give yeah. you extra time. Talk okay. about that because that's, that's one of my big things. Okay, yeah. So I, what happened is, is I, I, I ended up in the Postal Inspection Service, all right, for six years out in Chicago. So I moved out to Chicago with my wife. Um, and then what happened is, is that... Uh, I applied. There was another law enforcement agency that was uh, approved by Congress. It was called the Office of Inspector General. So I was finishing up a case in, it was a two-year case uh, with the inspection service in, in, in Chicago. Um, the day that the person I was investigating, it was actually a company, pled out, pled guilty to it. I got a call, Joe, do you want to go to Boston? And this is with the Office of Inspector General now, uh, special agent with them. Uh, and do you want to help build that field office? I was very lucky. How many people get the opportunity to build an office for a federal law enforcement mm-hmm. agency? Sure. Not many. And so, we, and so I did. The main office was in Woburn. I had five satellite offices. I hired every single agent. We had 38 agents, forensic examiners, administrative personnel. We covered all, all of uh, the Northeast. But it was, and as a special agent in charge, you end up dealing with a lot of executives from all the law enforcement agencies that we actually work with and partner sure. with. The uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, I had to deal with the U.S. Attorneys in all of those states uh, on, on, in terms of what their preferences were. Anytime you have a, have a change in the administration, you have a, a change in priorities. So it's like, and so with us, in terms of budgeting, goals, things like that, staffing, you have to know right. because those are the things you got to deal with. Right. Deal with a lot of the policy-making decisions with that, a lot of the jurisdictional issues. And, and, as, and as the head, you've got to also run the budget of your office and the satellite offices too, right? Don't you oh, oversee yeah. all those budget stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the procurement right. too, the, co- the contracts, things like that. When I first started there, we didn't have the infrastructure in D.C. to handle any of all that. So I was getting, I was getting hundreds of applications in for people. So I was reviewing them, coming up with the minimum qualified list. And then later on, as I was moving up through the organization, it was hiring all of them, going through the most qualified list and staffing the, the offices. And then even going out, I was, I was actually being asked, hey, what do you want for carpets in some of these? I was going out to lease facilities wow. to find space because I needed space for she every single totally one of hands them. on. Totally hands on. Oh, yeah. It was, it, was, it was the whole thing. And then getting cases. It's like, no one knew we existed. We're brand new. What do you do? Well, you got to go to each of the district managers. I did stand-up talks all over for all the states in New England. I was out there in the post offices with the district managers doing all of those. And then obviously you got to go over to the U.S. Attorney's Office. So get involved with healthcare cases. We did healthcare fraud, injury comp, financial fraud. We did we did drugs. We did employee misconduct. But you got to go to the U.S. Attorney's Office because they have the working groups right. there. And so, so if you – now, I'll tell you, one of the cases, the healthcare case we got involved with, when we settled with this, with this, with this company, it was the largest – fraud case in the history of the Department of Justice wow. that we did, that we had to, that uh, I had to oversee. But it was, how did it start? You have to go over there and tell them who you are and that you can help out. So we right. became a member of that fraud task force. Same with contracts. So you got to go over there and talk to them about it. So it was, it was interesting. It was great to be able to build it from the ground up sure. uh, and do everything that you needed to do, even with the construction of the contracts. You got to be on site. And what an education that is too, because you're, oh. learning, you're learning as you go. You probably never done all that stuff before, right? No. So no, it's absolutely. a tremendous learning experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully with that, I can take that to this job in terms, especially with the contracting, the budgeting and things like that. But I think when you get to the higher levels, what you do find out though is that when everything is okay, 
everybody is okay. Right. But when you start getting pressure and you start getting some of the most difficult problems, and we've got difficult problems here to solve. We really do. It's getting more and more complicated yeah, as we go because I think we're, we might be causing some of these issues. Uh, and I'm not blaming you because a lot of the, these people are very dedicated. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, it's good to have somebody on there that has that type of experience, has has handled those issues before. Uh, and I've handled some tough issues uh, along the way and, and been chairman chairperson uh, of, of boards and committees because you just don't do your job. Right. I mean, you're involved with policy making on, on the postal service side. It was, it was involved with memorandums of understanding. It was an employee rep, uh, 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 for the Postal Service. So it was a labor relations rep. So I was me helping mediations with, with arbitration and things like that. So I was an advocate for the Postal Service. But knowing all the contracts, doing all that, I think hopefully that helps in this job. Sure. And I want people to know that I think we have executive level experience, it helps. And I think it's needed to work with all the other people that are on the board because they, as far as I, they're great people mm -hmm. and they all care. And, and I would look forward to working with them to handle some of these issues that we talked about today, uh, we're a little over time. What uh, before we go? What are you What are you doing to campaign? How are you campaigning? I'm always interested in this when people are campaigning in North Andover. Give all my tricks away. Some people Some people don't <laughs> knock doors. Some people knock doors. Some people only do mailings. Some people do phone calls. I have to tell you, I'm I'm disappointed that of the three candidates, only one reached out to me, and that was you, right? Because yeah. I've known Dick Valancourt forever. And I expected when he came up for re-election, I'd get a phone call. Hey, Tom, you want a newspaper? You're right here in town. Would you like to write about my candidacy and give me some publicity? Uh, I didn't get that, but I got it from you, and I appreciate that. But my, I'm curious what it is that you're doing campaigning, and what are you not doing? I'm doing door-to-door. -door. Mm -hmm. door -door, I do a lot of door hanging. Um, mass mailing, uh, that's going out uh, in the next few days. Um, uh, also friend-to-friend -friend cards. Which, which uh, I think are very important. Very important. Uh, God, and keep in mind um, that uh, my wife's family grew up in North Andover, uh, and so they know a lot of people. So hopefully um, uh, I'll be able to get to them. Um, I just started with the, uh, the stand-up signs, uh, doing the stand-up signs. Mm -hmm. So that's so far what I have been doing, and, okay. and, and hopefully it works. I've been... Uh, and. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's a, it's a new process for me. Right. I'll tell you this: it's a it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And, and, and at the same time, though, you meet a lot of nice people. Right. It, it's I've met. Well, and you learn a lot too. I remember yeah. when Diana Desaglio was going door to door when she was first running against Dave Teresi in the in this Democrat primary, which she ended up beating him. And um and she would we would always go out for drinks afterwards, and she would tell me some of the things she heard at the doors. And she was always flabbergasted. She was always like, you're not going to believe what I heard at the door today. You're not going to believe what someone told me. And so I know it's a good learning experience because yeah. you're talking to people that aren't political. They're not speaking the pretty language of politics. They're not couching every word, select board, all that stuff. They're just normal people who just talk to you like regular people. And you learn a whole lot, I think, when you're going door to door. No, you do. You, yeah. you, you really do. And it's interesting. You're right. It's less political. Mm -hmm. It really is because I think – I think a lot of these issues here are the same for a lot of the people, regardless of what side right. you're on. Uh, and that's what I like about it. I mean, this board is a nonpartisan board, and I'm hoping it stays that way um, because 
I don't want to be asking people, and I never would. When I went and met with these division, these department heads in, 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 the, in the town, and I talked to people, I never asked them about that, any of that. You know, who'd you vote for? What side are you on? I don't care. Right. Right? Because they live in North Andover, they work in North Andover. And I went to one place, it was a, uh, I, I won't say it was a business, and I sat down and asked them, you know, what are some of the concerns? What do you, what do you, what do you like about North Andover? What do you think some of the challenges? And the guy says to me, Joe, I don't live in North Andover. I said, I don't care. I said, you work in North Andover. Right. You own a business right. here. You own a business here. So, so you know, that's what I'm concerned with. Right. The, the people who live here and the people who have their businesses here to make it better for them. And that's what I'm concerned with. Not who they voted for or what side of the aisle they're on. I'm not concerned with that. And that's why I think the board needs to stay nonpartisan. Your biggest challenge and the biggest challenge of the people you're running against is reminding people when Election Day is. I can't tell you how many people a week after the last election said to me just in casual conversation talking about other things, oh, by the way, there's an election coming up, right, in town? I'm like, yeah, it was last week. And I think a lot of people don't know when it is because they're not paying attention. Most people who live in any town or any city, most people don't watch their city council or board of selectmen meetings. Most people don't watch their school committee meetings. And most people don't even watch their cable access channels. So they don't know when town meeting is coming up. They don't know when the next city council meeting is coming up. And they don't know when the next election is coming up. I hope when you're sending out mailers, in big letters somewhere, it says Tuesday, March 30th. Oh, it does. Somewhere. On on everything. Because someone like me will save that. Yeah. Keep it on my desk to remind me, even if I don't like the candidate who sent it to me, I keep it on my desk to remind me, I got to remember March 30th is election day. And I think a lot of other people do. I, I know a lot of seniors who take them and put a magnet on their, on their refrigerator when they get something from a candidate that has in big letters what the date is, just to remind them they put it up. I'm going to go check. So, I'm right. going to yep. check on that. Absolutely. But Absolutely. you're right. I think the toughest part, because I've been, I've been told that you may get 12% of the- uh, Yeah, it's of, disgraceful. Of, of the, of the Turnout is disgraceful. Right. So it's like, you're telling me, Joe, you have to spend time. You got to get those people. That's right. the hottest part right. is to get them there. Right. Uh, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a concern. Obviously. I would even say robocalls, even though everyone complains about robocalls, there's a yep. reason why politicians spend money on them because they work. Robocalls that just say, hey, this is Joe Finn. Whoever you vote for tomorrow, I just want to remind you, tomorrow's election day. I'll tell you, that's, that's huge. Because when I get a call saying, hey, tomorrow's election day from any candidate, it, it reminds me. And even though I'm involved in all this, I cover this stuff, sometimes I forget. I think, I've, I, think I missed the last town meeting because I, I forgot what day it was. Yeah. And so I think people just need to be reminded, especially in this you know, post-COVID era now. Where everybody's schedules are so weird and everything's you know everybody's hours are so off. Um, anyways, that's just that's just my. Well, I'm going to send I'm going to send you something. I'm going to okay. make sure you get it. And, and on the town meeting for the moratorium. Right. So now, when okay. is town meeting? Remind people when town meeting is. Well, it's been pushed back to June. Oh, I, it has. It, it has. I just I just listened to. Uh, oh, the, w- I just listened is this a COVID thing or is this something else? Involved? I don't know. It's going to be outside. Maybe so. I'm not sure. But uh, wait, this, wait, this, wait, 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 wait. You got to oh, slow down oh, here. It's going to be outside. I think so. I think so. Now, I may be wrong. I just listened to the town manager, so I may have this all wrong because I'm going through a lot of different things. things. Okay. But I thought she mentioned that we've pushed it back to June, and I thought, but maybe she was talking about something else. Okay. To the outside. I, I need to track I think it down because if that's true, that's my editorial. That's my editorial next week if it's June. Oh, I better get that, I better get that right if, then. If they, if, they, if they moved it to June and they're holding it outside, that's my editorial. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You walk into any flipping Walmart, any flipping Target store, and people are crammed in. People are getting on airplanes that are basically cylindrical tubes 
that people have to sit like four inches away from each other. I hope I didn't get Melissa in trouble. Is what I'm. Well, thinking. well listen, I, 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 I that's, just, what, that's what I'm hoping. It, at this it, point, I can't come back if that's the point. So, so I'm going to check on it and get back to you. How's that? All right. Speaking of coming back, yeah, um, I am scheduling a debate in your race. Okay. The your the election is Tuesday, March 30th. So I'm scheduling a a debate in your race for Thursday, March 25th, here at two o'clock. Uh, if Another candidate can't make it at two. I might move the time, but that's going to be the day. So I hope you will commit to coming on and doing a debate with the other candidates. I'm going to try and have them on two single individually so that everybody gets the same amount of time. Okay. Um, but I'd love to have you guys here. Um, and I also think it's, it's good for the voters, too, if you're doing a debate like that really close to the election, because that also reminds people, hey, the election's next week. Right. And, and, I, yeah. and, I, and I, I watch these League of Women Voters debates. There's no debate going on. Right, it's one minute for an opening statement, thirty seconds for a response. That's not a debate; that's a forum. The debates that we have, and I suggest anybody that's running in North Andover that's going to be here uh, on the twenty fifth, go back and watch my Methuen debates that I did two years ago. It's a free flow of discussion. I'll throw out a topic and say overdevelopment in town. Some people like it, some people don't. What do you guys think? And then you guys talk to each other. So it's kind of like we're all sitting around in our living room having a conversation, and the people at home glean. Not just where you stand on the issues, but kind of like who you are. Right. And so that's kind of the format that we use. And I'm ho- we actually had a, a meeting, uh, debate scheduled last year for the candidates for selectmen. And then COVID hit. And everything got shut down. And I think one of the candidates actually had COVID. And another candidate's parents had COVID. And there was just no way that they were going to come in. It was like, it was March. It was just as things were shutting down. So I'm hoping you can come. I'm hoping the other can come. I will reach out to them, even though they did not reach out to me. And to me, that's a big that's a big demerit. I'm a newspaper. I live in town. My office is in town. If you're running for school committee, if you're running for board of selectmen, if you're running for town moderator, I don't care if you're running for the Greater Lawrence Technical Committee. A pox on any candidate's house that's not reaching out to local media because a it's free, right? And we yeah. we we. we by virtue of us being involved in covering the race, it reminds people there is a race and it gins up voter turnout. And I think that's good for everybody. So hopefully, do we get a commitment from you? You come on the 25th? Oh, yes. Okay, all right. Yes. So we get a commitment as from you, you. As long as you get the other candidates. Listen, if the other candidates don't come in, it's a free hour for you. Oh, I'll come back. Because I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm holding a debate. If nobody shows up, okay. I'll put pictures of all three <laughs> candidates here and we'll talk about the issues if I have to. <laughs> that sounds good. And I appreciate you having me on today. Well, there's, thank you for coming. I, I, I really liked your position on the, um, on the development. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you here. I want to thank our sponsors, McLennan Real Estate. We love Sam and Janet and Matt and all those guys. AFC Urgent Care. Um, I have not heard from my sweetheart at AFC Urgent Care. We haven't heard from her in the last week. Um, I think we'd, we'd do for lunch. Uh, Marsan and Sun Construction. Love Ronnie Marsan. It's just, this is the time if you want to add a porch on your house, you want to add a room, you want to do have your roof redone, Marsan and Sun Construction is the place to go. EIS Investigation and Gun Training. Uh, my sister's going to EIS next week to, to get her gun permit. She's going to get her training. And, of course, Borelli's Deli. We love Borelli's Deli. In fact, when I leave here every week, I go right to Borelli's Deli for my meats for dinner uh, on Thursdays. I want to thank everybody uh, for watching. I want to thank Joe Finn. And those of you who are candidates for North Andover, please reach out to me. We'd love to have you here on the show. I also want to thank Chrissy, our producer. This is now, what, your third show? 
trim myself up. Yep. I'm a pro. I'm clearly a pro at this. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is like our third or fourth now So together. what do you think? Do you think this is going to work out? Because at the beginning, I didn't think this was going to work out, but I think it's doing, doing well. What did I do wrong? No, remember when the first day I came <laughs> in and I saw that you were a beautiful woman? I'm like, this is not going to work out. That's all right. I've learned to put you in your place. You're she fine. Actually, she has, actually. You guys, you guys would love the pre-production that we do before we go on the air. And a big thank you to Dave Garofalo here at Two Guys Smoke Shop and the United Podcast Network. You can get us on Podbean, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and that's just the audio download. You can get the video on Facebook and YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. They, they keep asking me to promote the YouTube channel. Please. And don't forget our Build Back Better ad package for the Valley Patriot. If you are a business that wants to buy an ad for at least three months with us, we will upsize your ad for free. That means you buy a half-page ad. You get a full page ad. If you if you want if you want a quarter page ad, we give you a half page ad. So you're getting double the bang for your buck. Beautiful. Sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. He's telling us to go. So go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio Twenty One Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.